0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late
1: checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: This is Jeff T. from the Club 520 podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay authenticity guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume.
2: No! Oh my god. How could he do that? I
3: on to Donate cha- what
2: charles darwin the nerves is where it's at
4: welcome everybody back into nerd sesh as always i'm carson brebber and alongside me is logan camden and today we are joined by friend of the show kofi Y. we've had him on before for trivia but today we're going to be talking nba and we have a lot to get through so kofi it's a pleasure to have you how you doing today man
1: I'm doing great, thanks for having me as always. This is such a fun show. Always love seeing you guys show up on the For You page and on my YouTube feed, so great to Let's be back. Go.
4: Let's go, Well, that is very, very mutual, of course. We love all the content that you make. And as we were just talking about, you sort of had a close seat to uh, the latest developing NBA story and that your Detroit Pistons just played the Bucs in back-to-back games and apparently Milwaukee didn't beat them by enough. They won both games, but it was concerning enough to where Adrian Griffin, first-year head coach, has now been fired and Doc Rivers has been hired as his replacement. They moved very quickly there. Let's just start with firing Adrian Griffin. Kofi, from your perspective, was that the right move for the Bucs?
1: I think what the Bucs have shown us as an organization is that if they see something that's not working, they're not afraid to like pull the hook, which like mm-hmm. I wish that more NBA teams would do this. However, I am very surprised because I was I saw the alert because I was taking a nap and I woke up and I was like, okay, Adrian Griffin yeah. got let go. And, but my thing is, the replacement is Doc Rivers. So I'm like, oh man, the track, given the track record of the last like decade plus, you're like, okay, if you are like hiring a coach and you say that he's not good enough to get you to the promised land, you like look at him face value, no like experience. This is his first half a season. And you're like, okay, this is not enough. Now you hire the guy that was like consulting him. And also the track record after like 2010 means that like that's enough. That's why that's why I'm a little bit confused, but I understand the move. Honestly, if he's not if he's not resonating with the team, and given all the articles where he was like the in season tournament and the players the players. Uh, come to jesus meeting that they had where there was like coach was like telling the player step up bobby portis yelling at him i understand if you lose the locker room and people can sense you lose the locker room then it might as well be time to cut ties i get it
2: kofi i think you're exactly right though i thought we already did this dance i thought we had already gotten (laughs) past the fact that you know doc rivers isn't that guy uh you alluded to it man uh he is consistently underachieved uh Obviously, never advanced to the Western Conference Finals with the Lob City Clippers, man. Uh, they blow two 3-1 leads. Shout out. Not one. That's two. Uh, so, the Rockets right. in 2015 and the Nuggets in 2020. You never get to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Sixers. You have Joel Embiid and James Harden. They lose in the second round three times. Like... Doc's track record is he is consistently underachieved with championship level rosters, and here he is, guys. He's brought the cow back out and he is milking that 08 championship back to another championship <laughs> level core. It's it's baffling to me, guys. Like I said, I thought we already did this dance. I cannot believe that another team is putting their chips in on the Doc River sweetstakes and they
4: expect him to take them to the promised land. I'm I'm baffled, guys. Yeah, I really don't like the Doc aspect of it. But I also think that inserting any head coach into a situation halfway through the year when they are coming from outside of your organization and your goal is to win the title, that is a tough thing to pull off, man. And that's why I have mixed feelings about this decision, but I think that it was too soon. That's my take. Adrian Griffin has not been good to me, but this is the fastest that we've seen a first year head coach fired in 31 years. 31 years, dude. The last one was Jerry Tarkanian, shout out. College (laughs) basketball, legendary coach on the David Robinson Spurs. But it's insane. Like, when I think of all of the awful basketball coaches, just in the last half decade, we have John Beeline, who had no idea what was going on with the Cavs, was calling his own players thugs, like, completely lost the locker room. They were winning, like, 20% of their games. That dude lasted longer than Adrian Griffin. Jim Boylan, who was a literal joke, lasted multiple years. Like, that's what's so shocking to me about this. I've never seen a 30-13 and 13 team in panic mode, to the extent that the Bucks are, where the vibes are bad, they so consistently feel like they're underachieving, despite the fact that they have the second best record in the NBA. But when I really look at who's at fault for their issues up to this point, I think defense is the problem of course they've been 22nd in defensive rating and that to me is mostly just about really lackluster personnel at the point of attack they are small they're not athletic enough dame's effort has been really poor and that's going to be incredibly difficult for any team to overcome when you are allowing consistent penetration like that when you have dudes who can just get abused in terms of mismatches and there isn't a good answer to that roster on this problem if you're going to say well you should be playing more Andre Jackson instead of Malik Beasley because he's going to give you more point of attack defense. I understand how it improves you in that respect. At the same time, Andre Jackson, who I like, is a rookie who is still a bit lacking in terms of offensive skill. And Malik Beasley has been a flamethrower and has been a valuable part to this offense being so great. So what they had to do was make a move and they just don't have the assets to make a move. This team has been worse rebounding this year where they've consistently been elite previously. I think that that has more to do, again, with lack of athleticism in their backcourt, aging Chris Middleton, who's a pretty weak rebounding three at this point, than it does schematic stuff. Giannis has been pulled away from the rim a bit more. He's been switching a bit more. But that is not the primary factor in this. That's a schematic thing, but it's a little thing. They've let teams get out and transition a lot defensively. That's been an issue. But they're old. Like, they just aren't moving up and down the court that quickly. So I don't look at the defense and go, Adrian Griffin, you've bungled this. No, I don't think he's done well but I don't think he's bungled it. And the offense has been great. I think that they could still maybe be doing even a little bit more. They could lean into the Giannis Dane pick and roll a little bit more, but I don't know if that's an Adrian Griffin issue or if that's a Giannis doesn't want to be setting 10 screens a game. We've seen him have to make an adjustment there. Or is it just a regular season? We're going to kind of save our A plus best punch for the playoffs because Think about Stefan Draymond, right? That pick and roll with Draymond as a short roller was consistently unstoppable, but they would only deploy it selectively. It would be a postseason thing. It would be a closing game thing. So I don't think that Griffin's been good. I think late game, there's been times where it's like, all right, he's not managing things all that well. And he certainly hasn't helped this team. So from that perspective, I get what you're saying, Kofi, about like being willing to pull the plug on something that isn't working is a good thing. If I were the Lakers, I would have pulled the plug on Darvin Ham. I don't think he's a good basketball coach midway through year two. But this is 43 games into year one. And then it just raises the question, particularly for Giannis, of what were you expecting? Because Giannis is the dude who was very frustrated with Bud for not making enough playoff adjustments, for not letting him guard Jimmy Butler. Giannis then is the dude who wanted Adrian Griffin. And now apparently, Giannis is the dude who is fed up and done with Adrian Griffin when it's like he's a first year head coach. There's a learning curve. It's going to take time for anybody to come into a contending situation. And if you weren't ready for that, if you weren't ready to deal with those growing pains, you shouldn't have advocated for him over an established stud like Nick Nurse. So I'm just concerned by the organizational volatility here. Like, it just feels like they are fully in panic mode, and maybe this helps the spiral. Maybe if he's really lost the locker room, this reignites them and revitalizes them and brings them together. But it just feels hasty, and it feels a bit desperate to me. So, we'll see, but I just don't think Doc is the guy.
1: I don't think Doc's the guy either. I That's why I was just like, okay, if you're getting rid of this coach who are you bringing in? And I was like, okay, now you guys, it feels like, yeah, I agree. This feels like just a panic play for sure.
2: It feels like a, it feels like a legitimate step back. And Carson, you hit on another big point too, is guys 30 and 13. This is a 57 win pace team, right? It's ridiculous that he's getting fired. And you think about the, External circumstances, too, that are out of Adrian Griffin's control. Uh, the personnel, you mentioned it, Carson. The point of attack defense isn't his issue. They just don't have the guys to be great in that regard. And when you add the fact that Chris Middleton has missed a large portion of the season, too, and they've been doing this, you know, not been on a minute's restriction, too. Like he's. They're doing this without their third best player, and they're still in the hunt. Um, I think this does speak to some organizational dysfunction. Uh and yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's uh, They're in disarray. This does confirm one thing, and you guys tell me if you're with me. The Bucks aren't winning the title, right? I think we can put the nail in that coffin. They got Doc Rivers. I mean, this seals it for me, guys. I don't even have to think about it. They are, The Bucs have moved themselves from potentially number two if they make a move at the deadline and go and get a new point-of-attack defender, a guy who's got two-way value. I think they're like fifth or sixth for me, man. I do not care that they have Giannis Whoa. and Dame. I, would take I, I wouldn't
1: say I wouldn't go that low, but yeah. I wouldn't. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like watch a series and be like, oh, they're gonna figure it out. That's not what I'm gonna w- watch going in. I'm not gonna be like, okay, because I've seen multiple times where I'm just getting, I'm just getting like flashbacks to um, Doc Rivers and the Philadelphia 76ers against that Celtics series where for the second half they would just do Joel Embiid, James Harden pick and roll and like nobody moves. There, I'm gonna see that again for like an entire series and then you're gonna be like okay the this on paper this Bucks team should be able to hang why aren't they why are the Celtics seem like they have their number why does x team seem yeah so
4: yeah it's wild to me that you would go from Bud who by the way I I was in favor of firing I thought that he had really been embarrassed in that heat series I thought that he was outcoached as resoundingly as I can remember in a series in my lifetime And we've consistently seen the rigidity with him sticking so aggressively to the established scheme and not willing to adjust at the level of the other elite coaches, but at least Bud could establish a damn good scheme. And that scheme would take you far when you have this kind of basketball talent. Doc, I don't think is that level of a schematic coach. And i think he's gonna have all of the same issues in the tactical battles that you see in these high stakes matchups now logan i still think that you're kind of wild to say fifth or sixth because this team is just so overwhelmingly talented they're still the number two offense in basketball dame could be playing better middleton you mentioned has been on the minutes restriction he's been playing more as of late and he's been playing a bit more like himself as of late this defense can't get worse like there is no way for this defense to get worse so To me, it's not that like Doc Rivers is going to be a clearly inferior basketball coach to Adrian Griffin. I don't think he will. I think he might be a better basketball coach. But it's like, that's in a vacuum. That's not accounting for joining midseason. That's not accounting for just what it says about your team and where you're at. That you're bailing on a first-year head coach 43 games in. I just don't like the feel of that. I really don't like how that bodes for the vibes with this team, which have not been good. But they're still the number three contender for me because they have Damon and Giannis and still a solid supporting cast. And that's a formula that I would take over anybody other than Denver and Boston. But those two, I would say, are clearly above Milwaukee for me now. I would take the Knicks, I would take the
2: Miami wow. Heat, and I would take the Philadelphia 76ers. They have Doc Rivers, that says all I need to know. Uh, they, The Milwaukee Bucks, and again, the odds are in my favor, right? There's 29 other basketball teams that hypothetically could win the chip. So yeah. I'm playing the odds game here by saying <laughs> the Bucks aren't going to win the chip, but... Doc does it for me. I, I will not, like, that, con- I don't care how talented the Bucks are. They have Doc Rivers as their head coach. That's all I need well, to
4: know. Well, Logan, you do know that once Doc Rivers had a really, really talented basketball team and he actually did win the title. Like, the man isn't a, a sabotage button, you know? Like, he- he's not just an automatic first-round exit. The Bucks are overwhelmingly talented, and that matters.
1: Automatic second-round exit now. Yeah, yeah maybe. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
4: essentially i would still have them in the conference finals though doc isn't like embarrassingly bad he's just overrated or was now i don't think that he even is i don't think anybody likes doc but because he did have a a ton of talent to work with and he didn't amplify that talent but he's not like a literal cartoon fool yeah i i
1: I, I think that i think that you 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 do make a great point i feel like doc doesn't like even no matter what roster he's handed it doesn't feel like he puts them above and beyond it's either he puts them at like the floor that they're at and if the floor that they're at is still better than like the rest of the league then that's then that's it but Mm -hmm. i've never seen like any roster that he's been on except for like and just been like oh they're playing above their expectations or they're playing like especially in the playoffs where it's like oh they can they can play bad and then dig out a win it's really hard to like see that with him
4: no, and that's totally true. And that's why ultimately I think that this move falls flat for me and I don't like it and I'm not one to call people coach killers. I think that that's generally very overdone, but this is kind of wild from Giannis that like within a 50 game span you have now actively been a voice to get rid of two coaches. That's just hasty. And I, and I think that intense.
1: And this is the this is a roster. This is the Bucks roster that just can't go on autopilot. That's what, that's what I think that's the biggest like concern here, or it's not like, Hey, this team will like, you give the, you give Giannis and Dame say whatever they want to say. They're going to just figure it out by themselves. I don't think that that's, this is a lineup or roster or rotation that could do. No,
4: It's not, they have legitimate major issues. And the biggest one is that point of attack defense. And uh, they're going to have to find a way to solve that if they want to uh, win the title. And ultimately, I don't think that's going to be anything that a coach can do. I think that's going to be a question of of personnel. So pretty surprising stuff in Milwaukee. But maybe not surprising, but equally amazing was the fact that Joel Embiid just dropped 70 the other day as he continues his unbelievable historic regular season. Logan I think it's pretty inarguable that Joel Embiid has had the best regular season in basketball, but presuming that you and I both still think Nikola Jokic is the best player on the planet. Is Embiid now stamped as a top two guy on the planet? I don't think I can do it yet, guys. Uh,
2: And and it's remarkable. Again, we've seen what Embiid can do during the regular season. Uh, Most mid-range field goal attempts at the best mid-range clip this season, uh, he is... Got a streak of 21 consecutive games, scoring 30 or more points. Obviously, he just had the 70-burger. Embiid is legitimately unstoppable in 90% of matchups, it seems like, in the regular season. Like, he is a tank. Uh, if you bite on the pump fake, guess what? He just gives you his big body. He gets to the rack. He can draw a foul. Embiid has effectively been unstoppable. And the growth that we've seen from him this regular season, I think, is legitimately encouraging. How dominant he's been as a rim protector, how unselfish he's played, um, I've mentioned this before on our show. I think the removal of James Harden has had its benefits. The Sixers play faster. The offense feels more free-flowing. Uh, and Embiid really is leaning into the playmaking. Setting screens. Uh, playing unselfish. Getting into DHOs. Uh, little dump-off passes to the dunker spot. Hitting guys. Like, But I thought that was the case last year. I thought that Embiid had turned the corner. And then when we got to the postseason, he just crumbled. I am encouraged. And it seems like a different guy this regular season, but until we see it on the biggest stage, guys, I just can't do it. I would take Giannis uh, over Embiid, and that's kind of where I draw You said the line. that like
4: you were going to go in a list format, but I don't know how many I more names you can I could No, I
2: could I was like, and, and I would consider some other guys, right? Like, I think SGA is on that short list. He is such a special guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Luca, I consider to be in that special kind of tier. I wouldn't put those guys above him. I would put Embiid three. So I'm not going to act like it's a, oh man, I got 10 guys that I take above yeah. Joel. But Embiid is three for me. But until he shows it on the biggest stage, until he legitimately climbs the mountain, like Giannis, like Jokic, uh, I can't do it. What do you I think, think Kelby?
1: I think that the switch to Nick Nurse has done wonders for Joel Embiid just so mm-hmm. much in terms of like getting rid of Harden, sure. But like also the Nick Nurse addition. And I feel like We're going to see a night and day difference in the playoffs of how, like, Nick Nurse in terms of after timeout stuff, in terms of, hey, this team is zoning in on Embiid. Let's maybe give the other people a try and maybe uh, get Embiid involved in some other, not just, like, pick and roll and everybody stand there. But... I yeah. do think it's always been, for the tier for me, has been Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, and I still do have Jokic number one, even though Jokic sometimes will, like, decide to only shoot the ball three times against the Pistons, because he doesn't really need <laughs> yeah. to, like, he, I don't think he, really, he like, he's not going to, like, add points per game and be like, I have this many points per game, I need this many points per game to win MVP. He doesn't, he knows that he doesn't really need to have the box score numbers to really be the best player, so, but I think that Embiid has just been really impressive, and I, as someone that is waiting, I mean his his toughest opponent is gonna be Scott Foster. I can just see it now. But like <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be really funny. I think that I think that when if we see a playoff adjustment and we see the what happens when all of these like normal regular season fouls are taken away. Um, but I'm very interested and in very less being like, hey, this guy's a special player. I would have him I would have him too because I feel like Doc is going to get rid of in the way of Giannis in, in like two weeks, man. Ask me in two weeks and I'll be like, Giannis doesn't look like himself. And you're going to be like, hmm, I don't, I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
4: Those three are just ridiculous, dude. Like what they do every single night, it's unbelievable. They are probably going to be the top three MVP candidates for the fourth straight year. SGA will definitely be in there if the Thunder keep winning at this clip, but it's just stupid. And i've been a big mb critic because we have seen and i always talk about the same four things that have let him down in the playoffs but i'll do it again it's the failure of his jump shot where he's not nearly the same level shot maker in the playoffs as the regular season it is the reliance on getting to the line through some foul grifting where as you just talked about kofi you don't get those same calls necessarily where you're foul baiting in the regular season where they'll give you the benefit of the doubt in the postseason in that much more physical environment it's the failure of his playmaking where he averages more turnovers than assists in his playoff career because teams send more doubles his way, and he has struggled to punish them for that. And it has been his health, where basically at some point in every postseason run, he has been banged up. So for those reasons, I wouldn't have had him be top three coming into this season. I would have clearly taken a guy like Steph, whose game has translated better to the playoffs above him, Luca, who has been this unstoppable offensive engine in the playoffs at the very least, and Embiid's game has consistently broken down there. But good God, man... Logan, you talk about last year and how great he was, and he was. This is another level to me. I cannot think of the last time in a regular season that somebody was this consistently dominant night-to-night in terms of scoring volume at the very least. You have unbelievable regular seasons. Jokic two years ago, Steph 2016, within the last decade. But it is just unfathomable. He has basically mastered NBA scoring as a big right now. Because you mentioned he's been the best mid-range shooter in the league. We haven't seen a big lead the league in mid-range field goals per game since my personal GOAT, LaMarcus Aldridge, a mid-range pioneer. Had a mid-range dynasty for a while there. And then it's just the physical imposition, dude. Like, there's a handful of possessions in that Spurs game where he is just sealing off Zach Collins or Wemby, or he is just easily going through them on post-ups, He's been much more dominant on the glass this year. He's averaging almost twice as many points off of putbacks, which it's not a big number overall, but it's a difference in his game. And the playmaking has been better. He's been more involved there across the board, and he's defending at a really high level. So to me, his advantage over Giannis is that when he is this level, a shot maker, when the mid-range stuff feels damn near automatic, if it's as a popper, if it's as a pull-up guy, if it's out of the post, the face-up game, then I just think he's flat out a better half-court offensive engine than Giannis. The difference is, the one thing that's always scaled well for Giannis, his lack of half-court skill has hurt him in certain matchups. If teams build a wall, if they have a great one-on-one defender who physically can hang with him like a Bam Adebayo. But, overwhelmingly, he has been so physically dominant that he's been able to walk in his insane production. The 2021 title run is the ultimate example of that. And Embiid, we haven't seen him have that unstoppable thing that he can lean off, lean on in the playoffs yet. If he is still this level a shot maker, that will be the thing. And if he maintains this level of playmaking, where teams can't just as aggressively double him, he still misses stuff there, but he's been better this year, then, uh, then he could very well be number two. But the playoff basketball is just so different, and... We were just talking about this with our friend Jason Timpf, and he said something that I think is very true. And Bede feels like one of those guys who is just so great that as many times as he may fall short in the playoffs, when he breaks through, it is going to be like an all-timer. Like, he is going to break through in a big way. And I I think that that is true. I think there's going to be a run where his shot-making does hold up at this regular season level, and he averages something ridiculous, something close to what he's done in the regular season. But Giannis has done it. And because Giannis has that one uh, dominant trait that he's relied on in the postseason, I still lean him over Embiid.
2: Does the Bozo gene uh, for Doc Rivers and Giannis and the clutch come into a like, uh, factor for you guys at all?
4: <laughs> I think the Bozo gene is counteracted by the Dame time gene. Mm, mm. I mean, Dame is going to be running all the clutch offense. It's not going to be like last year where it's like, is it Drew? Is it Giannis? Is it Chris? It's going to be Damian Lillard.
2: That's fair. Yeah, there's no – guy because I was thinking, man, Giannis and Doc scared in the clutch, that's not a good recipe. But you're right, dude. Dame will pick it up. Does, is this the year for you guys? Do you have meaningful, different expectations for the 76ers come playoff time?
1: I think because of the Nick Nurse, again, I guess, because of the Nick Nurse change, I'm expecting something different. I'm expecting a more respectable playoff run. Now, I'm not expecting that. Like, I'm not gonna be like, this team must make the finals or else. I'm not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's always gonna be like, it's not like the Celtics exist or like the, you know, the Bucks right. are still around. You know, but if it's like a okay, Joel and Be the Sixers, they lose to a better Celtics team in the conference finals. I'm like, okay, it, that if if you're yeah. losing off of that, then I can't say anything to it. You know, because it's not like we came into the season with the Philadelphia 76ers being like, oh, these are these guys are the top two championship contenders. But Mm -hmm. now you look at them and you're like, hey, I feel like they could just go series by series. And maybe Nick Nurse can like coach a team above like, hey, they're not maybe they might be out like a little bit outmatched, like on paper wise. But if someone can out coach, that makes a big difference, honestly. So,
4: yeah. It does. And Nick Nurse is as good at that as anybody in the league outside of Eric Spolstra. I would still have them as underdogs to the Bucks, but to me that's a question of talent. I still think that okay if we view Giannis and Embiid as equals I still prefer Dame to Tyrese Maxey as much as I may love Maxey. I just think the level of shot making that we get from him on those stages is so proven and we've seen Maxey struggle a bit without Embiid on the floor this year. Then I think if you're going third best player to third best player I would still take Brooke Lopez over Tobias Harris. I think that Middleton has the ceiling as a shot maker, To I mean, he's going to be better than the Sixers' fourth best guy, in my opinion. I really like Philly because Embiid is playing at this level. Maxie's playing at this level. Nick Nurse is an awesome coach. And their wings have been legitimately good. Oubre and Batum were awesome value finds. But that just talent level at the top of the roster for the Bucs... He's hard for me to overlook. That being said, I think the Tyrese Maxey might be able to give him 30 a game because Lord knows that Dame and Malik Beasley (laughs) aren't going to stop him. But I kind of think Dame's going to give you 30 right back because they don't really have an answer for him either. Okay, so Embiid is having a GOAT-level regular season, but apparently Kevin Durant thinks that he belongs in the GOAT conversation. This is something that he said a couple days ago on Twitter. It's a classic KD tweet. Kofi, why do you think... That Katie thinks he belongs in the goat conversation.
1: I think Katie, if he looks up at Basketball Reference and sees all the accolades next to Kevin Durant, he'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I've made this many All Star games. I've been the Finals MVP twice. I've won the fin- I've won the championship twice. I was an MVP. Mm-hmm. I was a scoring leader." Like, I feel like he sees all of these accolades and is like, "Yeah, I, I should. I understand why he thinks this, but then." We we realize that we often be like okay yeah you won a championship ring but how did you do it it's the it's mm-hmm. like the classic how we as like sports media move goalposts around where it's like this championship ring is somehow somehow weighs more than the other yeah. in terms yeah. of like legacy score and then we get into the, the all like other kinds of scoring and stuff like that. Um, it's like when you play Monopoly where it's like you have this much money, but like how many hotels are on the property you know where so I feel like for for Kevin Durant, I feel like he has a lot of properties, but he doesn't have like a hotels on certain properties if that makes sense. I don't know if that made any sense as an analogy. But. I think you're cooking. Bro. I think you're cooking. <laughs> but like yeah, I feel like at face value, you take the looks at like all of his accolades and you're like, oh yeah, sure, and then you take the face value of like, Steph Curry's accolades and you're like oh yeah okay that makes a lot more (laughs) it's a lot more compelling of a case over there but that that's not I feel like that's not a slight to Kevin Durant because we're talking about the greatest player of all time yeah that's such that's such a high bar that even him being around the room of that you know where I'm saying like Mm -hmm. that's still a great accomplishment in of itself I feel like two things can be true. Kevin Durant has accomplished a lot in his lifetime, in his NBA career, and he still has a lot left to go in terms of how he's playing at this age, which I don't think we should be taking for granted, especially after an Achilles injury. Yeah. But even even still, the greatest player of all time is such a high bar thing yeah. that like I just can't really, I'm not going to ever be like, oh, Kevin Durant, I'm never going to do that. So...
2: I would say one fantastic analogy, Kofi. Two, you, you mentioned the moving the goalpost. It's funny to me because if you ask this at different points in time, the answer would be different. Two years ago during the Brooklyn Nets final run, uh, Carson and I did a show with friend of the show back when we were on Blaze Radio at ASU. We did an all-time NBA players draft, and I had the turnaround pick. I had picks, uh, I believe, three, and, three four. and four in our draft. And... I took Kevin Durant and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I had him in my top four because of his skill set. And at that point in time, I thought it was the right pick. I wouldn't make that same pick right now. And uh, Kofi gave you the Monopoly analogy. I'll give you another one. KD's off that good, good, fellas. You know, he's up in his head, man. He's a little little delirious. Uh, Yeah. I understand where KD is coming from and his perspective. Like you said, he thinks he was the best player on back to back stacked Warriors teams. He thinks he climbed the mountain and you look at his numbers in those two playoff runs. He's 29 eight and four on 65% true shooting. He's 29 eight and five on 64% true shooting They're all time runs in two series versus the Cavs. I mean, they're two of the greatest finals ever played 32 nine and six on 54 45 94 splits, but they're the two most meaningless rings in NBA history. Right, guys? I mean, I'm sorry, KD. Like, when we, were, when we were doing this, when we were comparing this to other climbs up the mountain, KD has never been the guy on the team. That was the point of him going to Brooklyn. And I thought KD had the self-awareness to understand that that's why he did it. And so I don't know, man. I Until KD is the guy. Uh, but like you said, Kofi, I don't think that's a slight. If you are one of the 15 greatest players in NBA history, that's not a yeah. disrespectful... You are. Like, KD's a goat. I take him in a heartbeat. Like, just because you're not the goat, it's it's not a, a disrespectful thing to me, man. And I, I'm sorry, KD would not be. Uh, KD would not be in my top ten. He would be top fifteen, and that's not disrespectful at all. I think that's just appropriate.
4: That's the range that he belongs in, and I think that you guys are both. Of course, completely right about how different rings do carry different weight. The circumstances, the competition, and of course, the context of your supporting cast. And there has never been a more overwhelmingly great supporting cast in NBA history than that of the 2017 Golden State Warriors. And it does absolutely matter that other guys within his generation have climbed the mountain on their own. They have done it, overcoming those circumstances and whatnot. But to me, the reason that Katie thinks that he is in the conversation and that there are people out there, I'm sure, KD Stans, who think that he belongs in the Coke conversation says something fundamental about how certain people view basketball. And although his accolades are great, they're not GOAT level, they don't compare to LeBron's, right? Really, across the board, LeBron is going to have an edge in every way there. What it is, is an infatuation with basketball aesthetics, and that specifically nice. the aesthetic of one-on-one scoring. It is basically the that-boy-nice theory, Logan, but <laughs> why are there people... Who think that Kobe should be in the GOAT conversation. Sure, there's Lakers pull, but to me, the fundamental reason is that he is perhaps the most skilled basketball scorer ever when you are talking about difficult shot making, when you are talking about balance, body control. Uh, His versatility as a scorer was outstanding, footwork outstanding. Those things are highly valued in basketball culture. But... There are things that are more valuable. If you are LeBron James and you can get to the rim at will, or if you are Kobe Bryant and the way that you are getting shots is these tough, contested turnarounds, the latter may be more impressive visually. The former is more effective. If you're getting to the rim all the time, you're going to make 65 70% of those shots. If you're taking tough turnarounds all the time, you're going to make 40 maybe 45% of those shots. And KD is different than Kobe in that He has such an overwhelming size advantage and he is so brutally efficient as a jump shooter that he can get good shots from the perimeter basically at will. But it's still the fact that he is this super smooth, outstanding one-on-one scorer. When you look at the other traits that make for the all-time great basketball players, as a playmaker, KD is solid. He is good. But his overall offensive impact isn't, to me, that of a Steph Curry because of Steph's off-ball value, because of Steph's playmaking, or a LeBron James because of LeBron's brilliant playmaking, his imposition on the rim. And that's just within his own generation. And then when you look at the totality of these guys, most of the all-time great, every player who is in the GOAT conversation, and I think there's only three who most people will even throw out there, of course LeBron and MJ, but also Kareem, are all-time two-way forces. And that's just not the case for KD. So... To me, the argument for KD as the GOAT is one that, yes, is about basketball skill. It's not about results because in terms of results, team impact, I don't think KD has an argument, but it's a particular type of basketball skill that we value the most. Because if you're talking about skill set, some people might say, well, KD is the GOAT there, but I would argue that LeBron has more basketball skill, right? because he is a freight train who is better at all of these non-scoring things, and he's so physically imposing as a scorer that he still comes close to Katie's effectiveness, but because it's not necessarily as pretty, people don't consider it quote-unquote skill. So, it reminds me of, like, all the youths, all the young kids of of our age, saying <laughs> that Paul George is their GOAT. It's because Paul mm-hmm. George is smoothest out. It's because Paul George is 6'9", and he's got a tight handle, and he's athletic, and he's a hell of a jump shooter, but... These specific skills that people enjoy and like aren't necessarily what make the best, most impactful basketball players at the end of the day.
2: This is hilarious to me, Brett. It is the quintessential that boy nice versus analytics uh, debate here, man. Like stylistical uh, winner versus, you know, is he tough? And Katie's tough. Katie's Katie's, tough tough as hell, hell, He is. It's I don't know. Would it take, like, in your guys' eyes, like, hypothetically, say the Suns figure it out, like, would a title with this Suns team make a meaningful difference to you and KD's historical stature?
4: Yeah, but it wouldn't put him in a GOAT
1: conversation. I think it would a little bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it would. I don't think, again, I feel like there's such a steep hill to climb still somehow after all of this because he has to climb multiple people.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: oh yeah
1: in legacy right i think that's the tough part where it's not it's not like there's one person that you're like thinking about you're not it's not like LeBron where it's just like even where it's like there's only one person left for a lot of like mj fans it's just like he's the last person for yeah. kd it's like a, a whole tier of people that yeah. you have to have to clear I do think Kevin Durant's like defense is underrated throughout history, but it's not, I don't think it's one where we like bring up next to like a LeBron and be like, Oh
2: yeah, I, I
1: agree on that point.
2: Can I ask you guys something? Like, do you think it's a debate for you historically, even with health concerns, like between Kawhi and KD?
4: Peak to peak. Peak to peak. I think it's really close. Yeah. I think it's really close. And honestly, I would probably take peak Kawhi. Mm -hmm. because of the absolutely dominant wing defense. And I agree with you, Kofi. I think that KD has been a good defender when he wants throughout his career because of the value that he has as a secondary rim protector, as an interior defender, really. But Kawhi could just reach this all-time defensive level as a wing, and then as a scorer, could really go toe-to-toe with KD in terms of production and efficiency because he's so damn strong. He gets to his spots at will, and then he is that assassin shot maker. Obviously, KD's had the greater career because he's been healthier and he's been at this level for so much longer. But peak-to-peak, peak, it is really close, and I honestly think I lean Kawhi. I think I do too, man. There's a, like, I know they always compare him to the Terminator, man, but game-to-game. Game,
2: Kawhi is... Yeah. I, KD's unstoppable too. Kawhi feels more uh, inevitable. I think I, I think I agree, bro. I, again, historically, I don't know. The totality, KD may be higher, but I think I'd take Kawhi's peak too.
1: Uh, I think I I think I flip back and forth honestly like it's so yeah. it's so tough Because I would I would love to just have both of them like either one of them on my team would be like okay fine Let's do it like yeah I do agree that Kawhi just adds an extra oomph on defense for sure like just an absolute Stalwart and I feel like stopping your opponent's team best player is like so important when especially when you're able to produce on offense at the same, like, not the same level, but, like, a step, a little, a tier below a little bit. Just, like, a small step below. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I think they're neck and neck for sure. I'm going to lean KD, though, a little bit.
4: It's crazy close. And I don't want to undersell how ridiculous KD was, not just in the two title runs, in 2019 before he got hurt, in 2021 with the Nets. But I also think that there is a variance to his game because i don't want to be holding 30 something year old kd playing at an unbelievable level against him but it's like when you can't impose yourself physically at the level that a guy like Kawhi can you are subjected at times to all right well these all of these pull-up jumpers aren't falling and that's what happens in a series against boston two years ago where you're dealing with great perimeter defenders you're made uncomfortable Kawhi hasn't had a down series like that since he hit his peak dude Kawhi has been consistently unbelievable in the playoffs it's like every time that he gets to the playoffs we're like all right damn yeah this guy no matter how many games he's missed no matter his regular season production he's clearly a top five player on the planet he might be higher than that and that's been the case since 2016 the guy just keeps getting hurt but that's an interesting one it's it's very tight in my opinion DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets.
2: Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call eight 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 seven eight nine seven 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 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com football terms for eligibility and to deposit restrictions, terms
4: and responsible gaming resources. All right, we got a little bit more news to talk about. This didn't compare to Adrian Griffin getting fired, but an Eastern Conference team did make a move. The Heat traded for Terry Rozier. They uh gave up a 2027 first and Kyle Lowry. Kofi, does this move you at all?
1: Oh, a little bit. Like first one for the Heat upgrading at guard and being able to also get Kyle Lowry's contract off the books which like is re- like 30 million for I know it's expiring deal so but I didn't expect for Terry Rogier to go for that low of a price but all right but I do think that this Heat team I while we all we often do Heat culture and it gets so annoying I think that adding Terry Rozier who's been having a good season even in Charlotte somehow mm-hmm. which should give him bonus points on my on like I think that that's like a really good plus for the Heat. Do I think the Heat have enough to do another run at the finals? Who's to say? I feel like they yeah. feed off of. I feel like they feed off of these bad predictions. And I don't want to end oh, yeah. up in a Miami Heat social media team video, so I'm just gonna <laughs> hold, just gonna hold my tongue there. But they do get better, and being able to get off of an aging, a super old mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry for just like a first round pick and cu- that okay like i'm impressed
2: i will say i think it is great value to get off that contract to get off a lowry you're not giving up a ton Uh, morale will likely plummet in the locker room without his posterior around Uh, i am disappointed at that uh, aspect of it um this this is a huge needle this is a legit needle mover for me guys uh the heat needed a bucket And Terry gets buckets. Uh, Four years ago, when uh, Carson and I started doing Nerd Sesh, Terry was one of the first guys I did a breakdown on because Terry just got buckets. He is a natural-born bucket, man. There's just guys that, an average, that boy nice supporter. You know, it's like, (laughs) that boy's nice. Like, Rozier is is legit nasty. Uh, 23.2 points per game and 6.6 assists per game. Those are both career highs for Terry. And why this is a legit needle mover for me is there is a level of consistency and trust that I have in Terry night to night and during a playoff run that I'm going to buy into you think about what Kofi you allude to the title runs that the Heat have been on the miraculous uh, runs that they've been on. They've needed a lot of things to go in their favor. Uh, outlier shooting performances, step ups from the role players guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Strus stepping up consistently. It felt like they outperformed expectations. Terry feels like a guy that I think can perform at this level consistently. Um, And especially, I think it alleviates some offensive pressure off of Bam Adebayo. That's been another aspect of these runs that uh, has been a bit of a letdown, right? Bam not outperforming expectations. His jump shot waxing and waning. Uh, His physicality and touch on the interior leaving him. Terry's a guy that offensively I think is going to show up night to night. He's a 94th percentile pick and roll ball handler. He's got great burst off the dribble. He changes his angle so well on drives. He's got great touch. He's a 48% mid range shooter. And the area where I really like Terry is just how he fits into how Miami creates shots in the playoffs. It's a lot of screening, it's a lot of stepping into shots. And that is what Terry does at an exceptional level. He is a great movement shooter, coming off screens and on pull ups. Guys, he's shooting 39% on pull up threes this season not crazy efficient but those are tough shots and in a playoff series i trust terry i trust terry to make and take tough shots uh, you mentioned it i think he's a massive upgrade from kyle lowry and now i think you've got a legit they're not going to play a ton of defense but with jimmy and bam on the back end hero and rosier is a legit playmaking and bucket getting tandem that if you can just get them into open space i think they're going to fill it up like like I said, I, I am, guys, I don't mean this hyperbolically. The hiring of Doc Rivers legitimately moves the Bucks down a notch for me. And wow. I think Eric Spolster is going to make adjustments. He is going to make life hell on other Eastern Conference contenders. He'd have a legit, another bucket getter. Like, I think this was the perfect move for the Miami Heat. And it's a debate for me right now between them and the Knicks because I really do like New York. I love... The way New York has been playing basketball, their energy, their effort, the way they fit together. New York feels like a legit contender to me. And so does Miami. Uh it's neck and neck between these two teams, but uh Miami needed this and it legit makes a difference for me in terms of
4: their uh their playoff expectations.
0: Uh so
2: I-, I
4: love I love this move. Let me just ask you this. Do you think that come playoff time? they are starting a backcourt of Rozier and Hero? Or do you think that Rozier is coming off the bench? I think you have
2: options, uh, depending on the series. And I don't know, if because if you want Hero or Rozier to run your offense, and then you stick Duncan as the two-guy, if you're sticking Richardson for defense and versatility I purposes, go. um I, I, it gives them flexibility. That's what I like um, in certain matchups. I don't know. I don't love the, the idea of a defensive backcourt of Rozier and Hero. Uh, but like I said, just having one of those guys for 28 minutes or running your bench unit, it's a yeah. huge upgrade from the likes of Gabe Vincent and Max Drews.
4: Yeah, I think it's a win, but I think that come playoff time, maybe in the regular season, we'll see how they start. They have been going with that Lowry hero backcourt, and then they pulled Lowry from the starting lineup these last couple of games because uh, he sucked. But I also think that you're just small in that backcourt configuration, and uh, I think you'd be better served having – Hero is your shot creator in the backcourt, your offensive spark plug, and then you pair him with two-way guys like Caleb Martin and Hawkes and then Jimmy and Bam. I think that that is just a more complimentary starting five, but this is definitely a win because the value is good. You mentioned Kofi. That 2027 first, it's the Miami Heat. I don't care who's on that roster. That pick is going to be somewhere in the 20s. This is just an organization that doesn't lose. And Lowry, his last five games with the Heat, was averaging two points per game on five of 27 shooting. Like he, he's just Killian not Hayes getting
1: Hayes' numbers, hard. bro.
3: That's crazy. Bro, honestly,
4: <laughs> he wishes he was putting up Killian Hayes numbers. <laughs> he wishes that his coach was letting him play as much as Monty lets Killian play. But Rozier is just a total upgrade. You mentioned how lethal he's been as a pick and roll scorer this year, Logan. Shooting 39% on pull-up threes too. He has been efficient for mid-range, to range. He's a dynamic ball handler. He's quick. He's a decent playmaker. It's just a total upgrade in terms of offensive skill. And he can play off ball. He hasn't as a had a good year as a catch and shooter, but he's been lethal there in years past. We know that he has the shooting ability to do it. And this team needs more creators. Not only was Kyle Lowry not really bringing you value, they were 25th in offensive rating last year. They've been 20th this year. And Jimmy is great, but against top tier number ones, you consistently need him to elevate his level. Hero is really good as a playoff number two or bam, whoever you consider the number two option. It's just like that firepower last year came through unbelievable collective shooting and superstar Jimmy Butler. And it's just not the most replicable formula. So having more options is definitely a win. And that's what Terry brings you. No, I don't think that he's going to produce nearly at the raw level in Miami that he was in Charlotte. I mean, it might it might damn near get halved, but he is going to be a weapon. He is going to be a guy that in certain matchups on certain nights can bring you that spark. And that's valuable. That's a win for the heat dad at this point in the season.
2: Where do they, uh, I know I gave my rankings. So where do they rank for you guys? Sixers, Knicks. Uh, can they, again, I know it's tough because it always seems like close. the heat are at a personnel disadvantage. I really like Miami, man. There's just a level of too. faith and, and trust that I have with Spo, with Butler, with Bam. I, yeah, man, it's. I, it's I think, neck it, neck goes, I think it goes. I think it
1: goes Celtics, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Heat. I think, but like, I agree that Heat. The it depends on who the Heat are matched up with. Honestly, I feel like whatever. Whatever, I'll be like, Spoke could figure it out. And that's why I'm not really worried about the Rozier thing. Starter or not, Eric Spolcher is the best coach in the NBA, honestly, in my opinion, like year for year. And yeah. I'm just going to be like, yeah, he'll he'll cook up something. He'll yeah. be all right. I also, yeah. I also I also am like, I'm thinking back and I'm like, wow, for the Miami Heat to get Terry Rozier for this price versus what they would have gotten for like Damian Lillard at the price that they, I'm like, pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. Like this, is a, you can't even. like, it's a good deal in my book. Like,
4: yeah, but I also think they were, if they got Dame, probably gonna underpay just because like they didn't have crazy assets. You know, yeah, that was like the whole holdup. It's like the Heat can't give us the best deal. Yeah, they can give Hero and Yovich and a first or whatever, a couple firsts. I agree in terms of the hierarchy out east, though, with you, Kofi. I would still have them above New York, basically because I have more faith in the Heat duo than I do Julius Randle, who's kind of got to be really good for the Knicks to make noise because they rely on that two-shot creator setup, and then they have all these great role players. But, Logan, you talk about the Heat working at a talent disadvantage. That is less true now than it has been in quite some time. Like, this is now a team with the level Hawkes is playing at. Bringing in Rogier with just an overall better wing core. Like, this team is much more talented than last year. Hero obviously being healthy when he wasn't. Like, this is a Heat team that actually has some firepower now. And when we consider what they did last year without firepower, that's pretty scary. So, they've got a couple All-Stars, as they always do. Uh, and that's a segue for you all because the All-Star starters are going to be announced tomorrow. That's just based on fan voting, of course. And then we'll fill out the rest of the lineup next week. But with that, who would your all-star starters be right now? Logan, why don't you start? Uh, you want me to run down east and west? Sure. That out east, I've got Tyrese
2: Halliburton, Jalen Brunson as my backcourt, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. And out west, I've got Luka, SGA, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and
4: Nikola Jokic. Mm. Coffee. What do you have?
1: All right, I got a little bit of a different, but this is my fandoms getting in the way here. uh okay. For the guards in the east, I got Tyrese Halliburton. I also have Trey Young.
4: Ooh, I, I thought have you Trey Young. Cade. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's go. <laughs> no,
1: no, absolutely not. Um, uh, Kate has been playing really well, but that that this. He'll be on the All Star voting in a couple of years. I hope if everything goes yeah. well. Uh, front court: Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, and then yep. I am gonna go for the guards on the West. I go Curry, Doncic. I feel, I I hate feeling like I have, like leaving Shea out of that, but I know that like it's so weird to not see Curry. I
4: am mm-hmm.
1: going not. It's not by talent. It's by like popularity and like. Sen- I feel like there is a seniority aspect to the. All star starter things as well, and then Jokic, LeBron, and KD.
4: Okay, that's like so. I feel like there's just a couple swing spots here, so I'll give mine, and then let's talk about those couple swing spots. So I have Logan the same as you in the East. I have Hallie, brunson Tatum, Giannis, Embiid, and then out west I have Luca, SGA, KD, Jokic, AD. Let's start with that East backcourt spot alongside Hallie because I think that that. Is up there for the most interesting one here. I have Brunson, so do you, Logan? But Trey is really close for me, and Donovan Mitchell is also really close. Like, Ooh, yeah, it's pretty pretty damn tight between those three. So, why is it Trey for you, Kofi, over those other guys? I
1: feel like honestly, even though the Hawks are some are like somehow worse than la- like the yeah. last year, which it, they're they're having a weird season, but like Trey is having like one of his. Better seasons where he's like mm-hmm. improving his three point shooting. And I feel like the Quinn Snyder thing has helped in terms of them like having the second best offense in the like a top five offense in the league or something like that. I think it's some like points per game wise, it's like a top five offense. But like I'm excited, but he's also Trey has also made like a small step, like a step defensively as well, mm-hmm. where you look at these games and you're like, oh, Trey's actually like playing. Like, defense and, like, in the clutch situations, Trey is, like, getting these steals and all of that. And I'm like, I'm just proud of him. That's all. It ha- really has <laughs> nothing to do with, like, if he deserves to be in there. Because you can do the Brunson. Like, I have no argument against Brunson. Like, if Brunson's yeah. there, I'm like, though, that's totally fair. I would love to see Trey get, like, some credit. Because I feel like whenever Trey plays out of this world, we don't. We just kind of ignore it. But... I also agree like Brunson's been playing out of his mind and the Knicks are like going on the upward trend so I it's one of those things where I'm like yeah I would really want Trey to be an all-star starter but like I know that on NBA on TNT it's not going to be announced so
2: and it's it's ironic too dude because Trey has uh strangely become almost underrated it feels like at this point Kofi like where you're talking about he has these performances and we're just like you guys know that meme I pretend I do not see it you know what I mean like it just didn't happen uh yeah Trey's defending well in every game. It's just so consistent, man. Like he's one of the best offensive engines and he generates such high shot quality. He generates such good shots. If it's in that floater range, if it is kicking out to another guy in the corner and he does it so consistently, I I don't know. It's strange because we've been doing this dance for three to four years now where we get to the Eastern Conference Finals and it's like, what do we do with Trey? Do we ship him out? Do we let him it almost feels like the Hawks are, are, something's got to change. You know what I mean? Uh, Einstein, one of my favorite quotes, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, if we don't switch up the personnel, if we don't change it, what's going to happen? I have Brunson just because, like you said, the Knicks are playing better. And I, normally with these things, I go with the team that's playing better. And I also go with the guy that I just think is the better player. I trust Brunson more in the playoffs. I think he's the better player. He gets... God, I love Jalen Brunson, man. He is one of he is, he is he is literally my second favorite player dude, to do you watch. To get you a moist toilet over there? Do you need? A <laughs> I'm I'm sweating, man. Brunson's got me hot, boy. Um, I, I love Jalen Brunson, man. He is uh, he's so much fun, and so maybe I'm also biased. Uh, so uh, Carson, can we get the right. unbiased Jalen yes. Brunson take? <laughs> yes, I will
4: be the arbiter of truth here. I think Kofi, you are totally correct, dude. There are people who downplay all of the great things that Trey does because they don't like his play style because they say oh you can't win with a defensive liability like that and he has been better this year he's been given more effort he's been more active making plays with his hands still far from good but better none of these guys are good all of these guys I would say are poor defenders overall but his ability to just manufacture good shots basically every possession out of pick and roll is incredible and The dude's averaging 27 and 11, and nobody bats an eye at that. That's a historic stat line. That's not normal. That's rare. Very few people have done that, and Trey makes that feel routine. To me, though, it does come down to something that Logan said. Like As a tiebreaker, I do value which play style I think scales better, who I think is the better actual basketball player when it matters most, and... I do still think that that's Brunson. They're both pick-and-roll heavy guys, so it's not necessarily about like off-ball value, stuff like that. It's not about two-way value, but it's about the ways that they produce their offense. Brunson is an absurd shot maker, and Trey at times can be a bit reliant on getting to the line. His three-point shot can come and go. Uh, Obviously, I mean, he's lethal from deep range, but just in terms of efficiency, it's not always a great shot for him, whereas Brunson this year is 43% from deep, He's 46% for mid-range. He's 56% on floaters. So he's been the more efficient all-around scorer, same volume. And the overall efficiency does matter because, yes, Trey is doing more every possession to carry a team, but I also think that there's a ceiling to that. And this has been a down year offensively for the Hawks. You mentioned the raw points per game total, Kofi. A lot of that is because they play at a really fast pace. In terms of offensive rating points per possession they are 13th this year, which is like the lowest that they've been in the Trey Young era. And I don't put that on him. I put that on other people, like just the level of offensive skill around him isn't great. But when I consider what he's done in years past, Brunson is on a better team. He's on a better team offense. He's doing it more efficiently in a style that I think scales better. And that offense has totally transformed with him. Like he may not Have the sheer volume of trey but that offense is 11 points per 100 possessions better when brunson is on the floor versus when he's off it that is an elite elite number that shows the incredible impact that he has so we're picking narrowly on the margins here mitchell giving you 28 and six on 59 percent true shooting
2: dude eight straight now without garland and uh who is it mobley who's
4: the who's the other guy that's injured Yeah, yeah yeah mobley's been hurt i mean they've been hurt all year dude like it's ridiculous so Shout out to Donnie, he is doing his thing. But I think that Brunson has played at the highest level of any of them as of late and overall this year. Okay, so then we go out west. Kofi, you have LeBron. Neither of us did. Why is he there for you?
1: Oh, just the popularity and fan oh, yeah. voting. And there's, okay. I feel like there's oh, no way. It's just stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's legit. Like the, I can never see LeBron not being an All Star starter, even if it's like his last season. You know what I'm
4: saying? That's why I was like. Oh, he'll be there. I mean, he has more yeah. votes than Jokic. But if it were your choice, would he be there?
1: Uh probably not. I would. W- <laughs> I know it's a front court thing. I'd love to switch him out for SGA, and like, I, I wish that I wasn't it was tied great. to front court, back court, um, because then I'd have Steph, Luca, SGA, and I'm like, oh, okay, that that feels like it makes a little bit more sense this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's it. Also, I feel like these things, these All Star votings, it's very weird because. DeRozan still considered a guard yeah in the all-star voting and you're like does I don't think he does that anymore. It's it's okay. I feel like we, I feel like we need to take a closer look at that eventually
4: it so. is weird I would get rid of it because LeBron is positionless we have seen him listed at literally the one through five in his career at various stages like yeah he's clearly a front-court player this year but Luka's a 6'8 point guard, right? It's like size doesn't correlate to position anymore. Everybody's doing multiple things. I would just get rid of it. I have AD over LeBron if I'm going to go with a Laker spot, and that's really close for me. I think that LeBron has been crazy efficient this year. I think offensively he's been the best that we've seen him in a couple years. It's just come down to his effort uh, taking a step back over the last month or so, I would say. There was a time through the in-season tournament where it was like this dude is playing at an insane level and now he's taking a bit of a chill pill which i'm good with but i think this team has been better defensively than offensively and ad is obviously the driving factor in their defense he's playing at an unbelievable level there while he is still really contributing at a high level offensively lebron has been their best offensive player but that just hasn't been the strength of the team overall and ad is giving you 25 12 and 4 on 62 percent true shooting he's been uh He's been really, really good. Okay, Logan. The one thing that stands out to me is you have Kawhi, who mm-hmm. neither Kofi or I had. Why is he here for you?
2: Not really a statistical argument. It's one. It's the LeBron thing, where uh, I just effort-wise, night to night, like it. It, it kind of shocked me. I don't know if you guys caught Clippers Lakers uh, last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers played with a lot of heart and a lot of effort with LeBron not out there. Again, they they fall short, but. I was really impressed with the the energy level of the team without LeBron out there, and that kind of factors into me. Like LeBron defensively not fully engaged, I don't get that with Kawhi, and Kawhi's just Kawhi has just been more consistent to me on a night to night basis. And I fully agree with you on the uh, on the AD part about I think AD is the best Laker, and so I just want to reward him with that. But yeah, there's just a level of consistent energy, effort, and performance with Kawhi that. I just haven't gotten as much with with LeBron this year, but I I wholeheartedly agree with Kofi. Like, there's there's no way, man. LeBron's probably going to be a
4: captain and probably going to be a starter. Yeah. Unequivocally. I do think that Kawhi makes a better case than LeBron. Probably, I mean, Kawhi's just efficiency as a scorer has been disgusting, and he's on a team that is winning a whole bunch of games, and he's their best player, and his on-off numbers are fantastic. I lean AD because of the two-way stuff, but... I mean, Kawhi's been phenomenal this year. And then, Kofi, you're right. Like, Steph is going to be in this starting lineup because he is Steph Curry. He is the second biggest global star in the sport. But SGA has clearly been better. If SGA, it's going to suck when SGA isn't an all-star starter because it's like this dude really has probably been the best guard in the West, probably in the league this year. Like, I think that he's been better than Luka marginally when you consider the two-way stuff. He's been unstoppable night to night, and he should be rewarded for that on an elite basketball team as well. But you know who is not an elite team? Is your Detroit Pistons, Kofi, who may not be in the national discourse as much anymore because they're not setting losing streak records, but they're still struggling. They're still struggling out there, and they have, you know, another mini losing streak going right now. So we're going to play a quick game, okay? I'm going to propose a scenario. And you'll tell me, from your perspective, what's worse, being a Pistons fan or having to live out said scenario. All right? Got it. Logan, I'd like your take as well, as somebody who's not a Pistons fan. I want to see how you evaluate this. Okay, two weeks alone on a desert island with Ennis Freedom. What's worse? That or being a Pistons fan? Ennis Freedom,
1: easily. Yeah. It's not even bad.
4: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Pistons fan, honestly, that doesn't sound that bad, man. Ennis, bro? Little vacation
4: with Ennis? Oh, man. (laughs) He would be uh, rough. He would be rough. Also, I just realized that I said desert island. Is That's not a saying, right? You, deserted island? De- deserted Abandoned island, island is what I meant. Uh, yeah, so. but, but how does someone desert an island? I guess all of the people who live there leave. Yeah. All right. I'm going to come up with these other scenarios on the fly. Uh, You have to watch, and this will be interesting. I don't know how you guys feel about this. You have to watch every Tom Hanks movie in, in four days. That or being a pistons fan
1: no that sounds like that sounds very fun actually
4: do you like tom hanks I,
1: look, That 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 includes toy story right yeah man toy true. story castaway yeah, catch me if you yeah, can there's...
4: here's my take here's my take ready catch me if you can i love leo i think tom hanks Borderline ruins that movie, dude. He does the worst Boston <laughs> accent that I have ever heard. He's literally like, this kid's trying to get in a car. He's trying to get in a car. We got to get him out. <laughs> he, I, I can't stand Tom Hanks, dude. Did you guys see Elvis? That was like oh the worst Oh, okay, yeah, ever. okay,
1: Elvis. He, oh, Elvis does.
4: Uh... He's what? He was literally <laughs> Dr. Doofenshmirtz, bro. Okay, Logan, would you take the Tom Hanks movies too?
2: for sure man i get a little money pit action in there too man uh what's that one where he turns into the little kid now there's some i'm a tom hanks fan man yeah big
4: i think tom hanks is the most overrated actor of all time all right that's a a wild take that's yeah yeah, wow i don't think it is i think it's pretty clear i i have never seen a tom hanks performance and been like boy you nailed that one dude i cry every time I cry every
2: time I watch Castaway, man. When he loses Wilson, yeah. bro, it breaks. Wilson my heart, carries,
4: dude. bro. Wilson, Wilson carries, carries in that movie. <laughs> He does. His unspoken pain is so powerful. That's that's the best Tom Hanks performance. That is, but I still don't think it's. I don't think it's that good. I don't know. He's not like an all-time actor to me. Kind of a wow. cornball. Damn. Ball. All right. What else What else can we compare to being a Pistons fan? I think the thing
1: is that being a Pistons fan historically is not bad, right? It's like, I'm, I, I'm, what, I'm 28? I'm 28. I got to see the Pistons win in my lifetime, right? I would True. take that. Wait. Hmm?
2: I got one more. Kofi, you got to watch this team this year or the Josh Smith, like Brandon Jennings, uh, Drummond Ooh. Monroe squad. Which squad are you taking?
1: Oh, this team for sure. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm not doing that again.
2: Yeah,
1: I feel like that. I feel like that team being around at the time, where at a time where like analytics was just like getting more mm-hmm. popular, and they would have just looked at that team, but like no, right? Just <laughs> yeah. don't. Because I think the the frustrating part about that, the most frustrating part about that lineup was that like Josh Smith thought he was a like a jump shooting three. And like you look at you look at you look at his rim at the rim stats and you're like, you're one of the best finishers at the rim. You're one of the best at getting to the rim. But instead, you're taking some of the most inefficient mid range jump shots in the NBA history. That was that was the more frustrating part with this team. It's just like, hey, they're young. It's not like like this team is all young and everything that a lot of what I'm mad about has nothing to do – it's like the front office and the coach. That's it. It's both of them. Like, I'm like, you are You guys are trying your best. I'm going to still watch, but yeah. you guys are trying your best out here. <laughs>
4: dude, Josh Smith, like, by the end of his career, dude was just a meme. It's like, why do you think you're this sort of, like, stretch four wing? As you're saying, like, he was a crazy athlete, and he was shooting 26% from deep. Okay, last one. We'll keep it Detroit-themed. Pistons fan or – you have to listen to the entirety of Eminem's music to be murdered by his 2020 album once a week for the rest of your life.
1: Pistons fan easily. That's <laughs> not, even, not even not uh, even I agree. Any I agree. any Eminem album after like 2015 recovery.
4: I would go earlier. I would say anything after Recovery, which is I was I was
1: being it's nice. I, yeah, bitch. anything before anything before Recovery it's, I can still listen to.
4: I think recovery is good. I mean, there's some bangers that maybe it's like, they're just attached to my childhood. Like, you know, not afraid was like or, but there's some songs on that album that yeah. I think are pretty, pretty good. But then everything recently, it's like, look at, he split what I like, what I did. What I, blah, 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 blah. It's like, just yeah, that I think that himself.
1: it's just that that style has, and the disciples of Eminem not, and I'm not saying that Eminem has co-signed these rappers, but there are a lot of people that grew up and like, they want to rap like Eminem, but then yeah, you you realize that the real Slim Shady really played out like in real life, where there's like there's only one me, and everything else just mm-hmm. does not sound
4: yeah. Eminem is not yeah. that guy. Yeah. I
2: also just think I mean it's hard when you're not as hungry as you once were. You know what I mean? Like Eminem is kind of bro. You shouldn't be yeah. rapping at
4: fifty. Yeah. And I think can, I think
2: can, I think it can
1: rap. I think it can rap at fifty. I just feel like you have to. It has to be. You have to. I feel like a lot yeah. of rappers run out of stuff to rap about. Yeah. yeah. But and I feel also, like, no. Well,
4: I think one more challenge for Eminem is that like initially his thing was like grotesque, shock value, crazy, yeah. violent, like stuff that it's like a. I don't think w- would be nearly as accepted now, and mm-hmm. B, it's like, you can't do that when you're 50. You can't be saying these horrible things. It's like, you know, you've grown children. Like, settle down, man. <laughs> but I will say, Kofi, on your point about the Eminem Disciples, dude, I was in an Uber recently. The man on the ox had the craziest taste that I've ever heard. He literally played Whistle by Flo Rida. And I was like, I have, I have not heard this song in 10 years. But oh, man. he was also playing this dude named NF, who I've never heard of. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. A- yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 bro bit eminem's flow but is uh, the, the messaging is corny beyond words i had to listen to a few of those songs that was pretty rough old white so guys love it fan. old
2: white guys really
1: love I, it. I i never i never knew his demographic I think that's what i that's what i think, I think is i just never i never knew it because it's never been i don't think that it's never been
4: around me i've never i'd never heard him I'd never heard him But I I But I know he's
1: It's like one of those things Where you like You know he's popular But it's not like It's not You're not Your area Yeah I'm like okay Yeah Yeah
4: Yeah So anyways uh, That was my experience With an Eminem wannabe recently All
3: right, There are some things That are too good To keep a secret Like how your Amex platinum card Helps you have The perfect trip I'd like to check Into the centurion lounge Or how it seems like You always get those Hard to snag tables Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace.
4: last thing we're going to talk about here before we let you go Kofi we mentioned the Pistons and we can mock your suffering and whatnot but the good news is you have Cade Cunningham and I love Cade Cunningham is he to you the guy who you would most want to build around from that 2021 class where you have Mobley you have Scotty Barnes you have Franz Wagner is he your number one guy still
1: he still is I think for sure I think that The only silver lining about this losing streak is that during the latter half, we were able to see Cade play out of his mind, even still with one of the worst constructed rosters in NBA history. I think being able to see how special Cade is both on and off the ball and in terms of like Cade's passing vision is underrated. I think there's a lot of aspects about him that are underrated, but also a lot of people I saw on Twitter would just be like, yeah, in a redraft, Cade would not go number one. And I'm just looking around and being like, I think he still would. Because yeah. any, and also any other person in that draft class, if you were given this Pistons team,
4: oh, yeah, dude, what are you going to do?
1: Like, what do you like? Jalen Green, this team would go winless. You know, it's like one of those yeah, things where real. it's like, it's, it's not, and it's not like a, it's just a how Cade plays the play style thing and i think just by versatility and then i know that his defense has taken a hit because cade is basically literally doing everything this year for yeah. some reason even though like jaden ivy has like on the team and been like hey we don't like we don't have to do this like jaden and cade can like take turns a little bit um but yeah. that's a monty williams thing but i would rather i would 100% still build around cade
2: as would I, and I think when you're looking at the other guys that you'd consider, they still have legit limitations, too. Like, if you're taking Mobley, you're getting a guy who is going to be a you know defensive anchor for a long time. But he is so limited offensively that it's like, ah, uh, you know, you'd think about uh-huh. it. Scotty Barnes brings you that two-way value, has improved as a jump shooter. Still not the smoothest, most elegant aesthetic style of play, right? And I still yeah. am skeptical that the jump shot is going to be this great. Uh, For an entire season right Cade Virtually, I still feel like has no holes as an offensive player and can be your number one offensively Uh, There's something with Cade, you know, I think that because he's not the greatest athlete He's gonna take tough shots, right? That is going to be his base Uh, Mid-range looks, stuff like that. But he is a great facilitator. He's a great playmaker and Kofi's exactly right Who is winning games with this Detroit Pistons team man you put Nikola Jokic here man I don't know. They win what? A cool 40? A cool 50 maybe? If they're lucky. The Pistons are just not anywhere close and I want to see him in a better winning situation. I still believe in Cade as a number one guy. And again, when you're looking at complete value, I think Cade can be a defensive plus too. I still think he's the total package. He's a big guard. Like Kofi said, he can do everything. Uh, that's just something that you know. I just don't think the other guys can. I, I'm still a big believer in Cade.
1: I I want to give shout outs to uh, Scotty Barnes and Shangun for sure in this draft Shang-Goon, class as course. well. Um yeah. I just still I'm not gonna like go back to that draft class and like regret anything. If anything, it's the draft class before where you draft Killian, Isaiah, and Sadiq Bay, and like at the time, at the time, Pistons fans were like celebrating that. The, that class, and now now we're here and just being like, oh, wow,
2: no. Oh, Kofi, if you hold out, I think Killian Hayes will be James Harden. Just keep playing yeah. him. Just
4: keep playing him.
1: Dude, I am. My God, I can't believe he still starts.
4: <laughs> it's insane. It's one of the most insane things in the NBA. Yeah. I did like Killian, uh, but he sucks, and he's sucked since he set foot <laughs> in the league. I still think Kate is number one for me, too. And this is a good draft class. Evan Mobley was my favorite guy at the time. But Cade has surpassed him because people can lament team success, but you just have to look at the context, of course, and I think that Cade has shown a lot more growth than Mobley has, and I think that Cade, to me, is the best foundational offensive guy in this class. You can really make a case for Shangun, but I think that Cade does it in that hyper-valuable role where he can dictate everything from the perimeter, but like you said, Kofi, he can also play off-ball. And I do think the two-way ceiling is really high. What we have seen from him when engaged, like he's been bad defensively this year because he doesn't have an incentive to play and because he's exhausted because he's exerting all of his effort carrying the offense. But what we saw last year more so, I mean, he's got awesome physical tools. He's long. He moves really well laterally. He's strong. He's got a really solid base. He's 6'6", so he's big for a guard. He's got good hands, good timing. Like He can do it all defensively in terms of what you want from a a guard sized wing a big guard and then offensively yeah he is going to be reliant on tough shots to some extent but he's really good at making those tough shots and if you put him in a better offensive situation i think he'd be a a bit less dependent on those tough shots but the stretch that we saw from him before he got hurt his last 10 games 29 points per game 8 assists per game on 53-37-85 splits that's the Cade that I have been waiting for, been waiting for just that consistent jump shots come around. Cause he was an elite jump shooter in college mm-hmm. and yep. he's pretty damn good. He's pretty damn good. It's just the shot quality has been rough, but yeah, the playmaking is awesome. I think that he is a bona fide star for years to come. And listen, it's not a runaway for me between him and some of the other guys. Cause it is a really good class. Like Shangoon is up there. Franz Wagner, his all-around two-way impact, his ability to be a secondary guy offensively and have a versatile attack is really valuable. And Mobley is still like an all-world defensive talent. He's just not progressed at all offensively. But Kate is in the archetype that is most valuable, and he is doing a really good job overall of filling that. And I'm excited for when he's back out there and healthy again because, you know, the Pistons will be watchable again. (laughs) So. (laughs) So, Kofi, for you, I'm excited for that. And for myself, I'm excited for that because I really do love watching Cade. all right that's gonna do it for us here today guys hope you all enjoyed if you did and you want more of kofi's content then you absolutely should go check him out i'm sure many of you already follow him but kofi y on tiktok twitter youtube you're getting some great pistons content there all of that just awesome stuff check him out across platforms and if you want our stuff across social tiktok instagram at nerd twitter at nerd underscore sesh Uh, If you want our merch, you can check that out at thevolume.com. If you want to join our Discord, the link to that is at the link tree across our social media bios. And if you just want to listen to the podcast, of course, that is across audio platforms, or you can find our full shows with video on YouTube. And we do some video essay, video breakdown, NBA stuff there as well. So Kofi, before we let you go, any final words, anything we missed, anything you want to say to the people, any plugs for NF, your new favorite rapper?
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh first off thank you for having me and second off i will be doing pistons watch alongs on a site called playback tv playback.tv slash kofi why uh it's really fun in terms of like being able to watch league pass games with the community and that's been a fun new development so i'm excited for that
4: fantastic idea sounds painful for the pistons (laughs) but you know (laughs) it's good theater good theater all right Thank you again, Kofi, for coming on. This was very fun having you. And as always, I have been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh.